The world is a beautiful but challenging place to live. And let's face it, life hits hard sometimes. So if you find your hopes and dreams and mental well-being needs a boost, you're tuned in to the right podcast. Welcome to Inspire Us with your host, Jay Paul Nadeau, a former hostage negotiator turned motivational speaker and acclaimed author of Take Control of Your Life. And now, here's your host, Jay Paul Nadeau. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 36 of Inspire Us. You know, some people have enough love in their hearts to share it with the masses, even when they're sick. Here's a story of a real hero who made a difference in the lives of fatherless, hopeless girls in the South Bronx. He had an idea. He saw something that he didn't like, and he decided to start a softball team, of all things. Well... The results are quite amazing. And without any further delay, I am going to introduce you to a remarkable man, and that man is Coach Christopher Astacio. Hello, Chris, and welcome to Inspire Us. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. I am so excited about having you on the show because your story is so profoundly beautiful in so many different ways. The lives that you've touched, the approach that you've used to change the lives of these wonderful girls who are now your daughters is going to inspire so many other people. And I would love to just turn it right over to you. Can you tell us how this journey all started for you and and what happened? Wow, such a long time to even... Um, go back years and years and years. Um, first and foremost, I'd like to thank God for everything he has done for me. And, um, you know, I'm not trying to p- push religion, but that's, you know, in my life that that really has really helped just having faith that everything is going to work out. This started all when my sister died in 2003. I was in my early 20s and my sister was um, an advocate in her community. And she always encouraged me to be a advocate in the community with her and you know I was didn't have much time until I had my own son and when I had my own son she said to me you know Chris you have to make the world a better place for your son you know and I think you have the ability to change change people's hearts to help the community help kids and it was not until my sister died a few months later on Mother's Day that I decided you know what maybe it's time for me to take that that role to fulfill what my sister wanted to do. And, you know, I went to, when I went to her funeral and I, I looked at her in the, in the casket and I told her, I held her hand. It's really, really cold. And I wish I had said this before when she was alive, but I say, you know, thank you. And I'm going to make sure I make you proud. And from that, from that day forward, I made my life's purpose to help any way I help anyone, anyone I re- come in contact with any way I can. Mm. And your sister, I've been listening to a few videos that you were featured on, and I think your sister was a little bit troubled at times and and, uh, had some difficulties uh, herself, and uh, you recognized that there there could be something that you could do uh, for other people who were going through the same thing. Would that be an accurate statement to make? That is accurate. I mean, it didn't occur to me at first um, when I was coming in contact with these females that I realized, hey, these females... Are kind of like my sister and maybe i couldn't help my sister i couldn't save her but you know i could save these girls 
Mm-hmm. And, and so in, in that re- in retrospect, I felt like, you know, I could be saving my sister, so to speak, through these girls. That is amazing. And just to give a little bit of uh, context to anybody who may be listening right now, Chris, you uh, were working in a school in the Bronx and uh, what you recognized were uh, that there were so many fights and so much violence going on and, and, and girls were getting pregnant and girls were, uh, and girls and guys, it just a high level of uh, instability and just uh, you know stuff going on that you stepped in and you did something about it. Uh, would that be right? That's correct. It just broke my heart to see all that. I mean, I don't think any human being could sit down and watch this. I came and explained this, how horrific it was. I just, I sat down. I'm like, this is, cannot be happening. I can't allow this to happen. There were, there were a few teachers that said, you know what? This is too much for me. I'm going to leave. But for me, it was like, nah, this, I can't, I can't let this happen. I need to do something. And you stepped up and you started a, in, in, I think it was in 2013, you started a softball team for girls. Is that, uh, is that right? That's correct. I mean, it sounds so insignificant. Like, you know, you're trying to help girls stay away, stay out the streets, stay away from violence, stop, stop um, making bad decisions, bad choices. And then you come up with softball. You know, I remember people were like, that's not going to help much. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, um, sports can do a lot for kids. And um, I didn't want to teach some softball. I wanted to teach them unity um values through softball so i use softball as a catalyst to help me teach these things i mean there's sometimes we didn't even do softball we came to school we came to practice and i was like okay we're gonna have a talk and we talked for two hours and that was softball practice mm. and these girls how old in in age would they have been uh, at, at the time at the time 2013 um i just have some overage girls so um around 12 to 15, 16 years old. Later on in the years, that age level decreased because we were able to get the girls that that needed to go to the right schools, into the right school. Um, So 12 to 16, around there. Okay, so to to just kind of recap what you were saying is that you saw this need, uh, all these uh, girls uh, that were in gangs, uh, there was pregnancy, there was uh, a lot of things going on and you, got the idea to uh, to put together a softball team which you called Lady Tigers and uh, with the with the purpose of providing them a safe place to be so that they could experience what softball and, and sports can do for people and that's unite people and 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 give them something to work uh, together at and it it blew up it, it actually it worked right I had no if looking back, um, if you were to tell me if it would blew up the way it did, um, my girls would be on the Ellen show and it's various media outlets. I would like, I would have said back then, you're lying. Stop it. That's never going to happen to us. <laughs> There's no way that these girls are going to garner such attention that, you know, Ellen DeGeneres is going to be like, I want you on my show. I was like, stop lying. But it did. It's not because they were great at softball. I mean, cause in the beginning they were horrible. Mm-hmm. Lost every game but it was not about winning games it was about winning at life winning over the circumstances there that that uh, stand in their way it was about becoming the person they should be and i always told the girls i don't care if you win or lose all i care is that we're a family at the end of the day and i'm here for you 
I love that because uh, something really amazing happened back then because you weren't uh, the coach anymore. You became the father to all these girls. Can you tell us how that happened? Wow. You know, um, I didn't come into coaching as, okay, you know what? I'm going to be a father. I didn't come. I just wanted to be someone that they respected, someone they look up to, someone, um, someone, someone that they could be able to talk to. It was not, it was not until one girl said to me, you know, my father never said that to me. Oh, they're all, where's your father? And he, he's like, I haven't seen him from years. And then another girl came up to me and it was her birthday. And I said to her, hey, happy birthday. And she was like almost in tears. I'm like, what's wrong? It's your birthday. You should be happy. She's like, um, my father hasn't called me to say happy birthday. I'm like, oh, he, don't worry about it. You know, he's going to call you soon enough. And she's like, he, he hasn't called me in years. Mm-hmm. And she's told me, you know what? Can I call you my dad? Can you be like my father? And I said, I was, I was blown away. You know, you know, I know how much that, that, that name means to call someone your father. And of course I said, you know, of course I'll be your dad. Don't worry about it. You know, I, I got your back, mm-hmm. but it, I turned to realize that the majority of my team do not have fathers and they all looked at me as not as a coach, but as a father. And I had to live up to that name. And it's really hard to live up, you know, to be a coach is great, but to be a father is something that's more elevated. And, and it was really, really difficult to just be a father to every single girl because you know, every single girl wanted attention. And it was just so much, they had so much problems. And I just tried to be there for every one of them as well as my own kids. Yes, and uh, and you you were, and you have been, and you continue to be, which is just a, a beautiful thing uh, that God has uh, has allowed you to do and change uh, the lives of these uh, young girls. I uh, was listening, of course, to a few of the videos, and in the very beginning, um, the girls were not liking each other. When you put the team together, they were at each other's throat but something quite amazing happened. How did that all uh, transform? Because there was a transition going on into a transformation where the team got together as a family. And in one of the beautiful quotes you, you gave, uh, it's, it's not about the softball, it is about giving hope. And you, you gave them hope. How did that transition happen? Well, you know, these girls, for back a little, for back of a, a lack of a better word, um, they did not hate each other. They loved each other. They, <laughs> it was fights outside school, inside school. I was scared to even have practice sometimes because I didn't know if there was going to be a fight within practice. Like, how can I stop this? But it wasn't until they understood my life struggles, my struggles with cancer, that they said, you know what, we have to be better for coach. Now we can't put him through this. He's he's not well. That's, that's unfair. And there were some girls that, st- that stepped up and said, you know what, let's, let's stop this stupidity. You know, he loves us. You know, the least we can do is try. Let's, the least we can do is try. Mm. And like for like six or seven months, you know, I had gone through arguments and fights and girls punching each other during practice. And I was saying to myself, this, this softball program is not going to work. And then I got sick. And then I was out for a while. And then when I came back, you know, the girls were like, this is before they knew I had cancer. The girls were like, you know, what's wrong? And I had to tell them, you know, listen, I had cancer and there'll be times where I'll be out and I'll be sick. And one girl just started hysterically crying. And I remember the other girls were practicing. They were looking at this one girl hysterically crying and they were saying, um, what the heck is going on with this girl? 
why is she crying like that? And she's like, I can't lose you, coach. I can't lose you, coach. And everyone saying, wait a second, hold on. You can't lose him. Where is he going? You can't, you're not quitting. And I have to explain the whole cancer story. And they all started crying. I have like 20, 20 or 25 girls hugging me while hugging themselves as well. You know, these are girls that never could tolerate being in the same space with each other. But then they're all hugging me, but they're touching them, touching each other as well. And they're all just crying. And I'm just saying to myself, I did it. I, I they're together. I mean, it took my cancer, you know, diagnosis to help them become, but they understand they all have something in common. It was the love for softball and the love for their coach. And if they could hold on to that love, they could, you know, just forget about all this pettiness they, they share, this territorial nonsense of gangs, this idiosity of just this pure stupidity that was going on in the, in the, in the city. And they became sisters. And it was, you know, it was just, I look back and I'm like, wow, I can't believe that happened because these girls were at each other's throats. And it was just the transformation from them being um, aggressive with each other, just civil, to being civil, to being sisters. That was a beautiful trans transformation. I mean, the it girls, the, from girls that were wanting to kill each other to girls crying because softball is over and they're going to miss each other. Like, that was amazing. Hmm. You know, I, I've got tears in my eyes uh, listening to you because uh, I'm, I'm feeling the emotion here. And um, <clears throat> I think it was more than, than just, um, how can I put this? I think them seeing you show up at their practices, even when you were fighting cancer, reminded each and every one of them that you were there for them no matter what, that the father, uh, despite the fact that the father was sick, he showed up to, to love them and support them. And they saw that uh, that's something that a lot of people wouldn't do. They'd be in their bed, they would be taking care of themselves, but you dragged yourself out of bed. You went to support the girls that had become your family and they saw that, that that wonderful connection that you would never let them down. It's, I mean, at, at the time, I wasn't even thinking that way. I just woke up in the morning. I said to myself, no, I got to push myself because there are people counting on me. I just, I can't be absent today. Uh, or I can't be absent today because so-and-so, she had a crisis yesterday and I, I need to be there today. And I just remember, you know, everyone had a crisis every day. So I needed to be there every day. So I, there was no way for me to even take a break. And my wife would tell me, you know what, you really need to take a leave of absence. This is too much for you. And I said, if I do that, then everything I work for is just for nothing. I just will, I will go back just feeling just like a failure because these girls will fall apart. And I just remember, I didn't really care about myself. I did not care about myself. I just, there are sometimes I couldn't eat. I'll be starving in school. Or there's sometimes I'd be so weak because I haven't eaten because I had some issues that I couldn't eat. I, was, I felt nauseous all the time. Either that I was in the, in the bathroom all the time. It just, no matter what was happening, I made sure that I was there for the girls. I was going to their classes. Um, during my lunch period, I was um, sitting in with them. Like I'll, I'll, I'll walk the hallways and I peek inside the window. And if I see one of the girls not paying attention, I walk inside the class, sit right next to her and I say, okay, what's, what are we doing today? And I stood there until she was doing some work. And then mm -hmm. I'll leave the classroom. 
that's some of the stuff I would do. I mean, and there were girls that were always hungry. And I'll say, you know what? I'll be back. I go to the store, get a sandwich, bring them back a sandwich. Okay, now you have no excuse. I want you to eat. Mm. And there was one girl that actually got pregnant and she wasn't taking care of herself. And if every morning I got her breakfast. I made sure, she, I, was, I made sure you know what? Every morning you're going to come to me first, come to my office, I'll have breakfast for you. Mm. It was mm. just, it's just, I wanted to make sure that no, none of my girls were suffering, even though I couldn't stop all their suffering. I just wanted to make their life just a little bit better, a little bit more tolerable. Because I know when they went home, they went home to a world of chaos. And that's something I could never change. And I wish I could change it. If I had the money, if I was rich, I would say, you know what? You, 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 here's the money. Let's go. You know, I have a whole sanctuary for you girls. You know, here are programs and it'll make you better and make you self-sufficient, make you independent. But, you know, I do what I could do with, with what I have. Mm, and and that's a beautiful thing too. And Wow. Um, your girls and, and your, your, your daughters, um, they, uh, they were so touched by everything that you did for them that they started writing letters. And one of those letters or several of those letters got into the hands of Ellen from The Ellen Show. And she invited you to, uh, to appear with a few of your girls on, on the show. Is that right? That's correct. And um Again, if you would have told me that one of my letters or one of my letters written about me was ever to go to Ellen, I would say, yeah, you're, you're joking. Stop lying. <laughs> but it, it actually went there. And um, the girl who wrote the letter, her name is Yoshi. And Yoshi at the time had already graduated from my school, graduated from my program. But she's still, well, till this day, I, I see Yoshi every day, almost. Yoshi is now 19 years old. She's only 20. She plays for soft, she plays for college on the softball team, full scholarship. Wow. And I remember when she got the scholarship letter, she she texted to me. She said, Dad, I made it. And that's all she that's all she calls me. She don't call me coach. She don't call <laughs> me Mr. Stasic. She calls me dad. Because to her, I'm her dad. She introduced me at dad. I go see her coach, her softball coach. I mean her new softball coach, college coach, and she'll say, This is my dad. So everything is dead, but mm. no, Ellen really gave my girls. Well, didn't give my girls. She didn't give my girls a voice. She allowed my girls to use their voice because my girls always had a voice. They just needed to be heard. Right. And everybody needs to be heard, seen and acknowledged and validated. It's so true. Now the girls, and, and I want the audience, are, are all you listeners, to, to imagine this school in the Bronx with uh, these fighting girls and horrific fights, even worse than, than guys' fights. Uh, but, and that was going on. And here we have uh, Chris, who uh, starts an idea. Hey, let's put some softball uh, together and let's see what happens with that. And it brought these girls together and it brought them to connect in such a profound way with you, Coach uh, Astacio, and to the point where they became family themselves. And then um, some of them went on to accomplish some pretty amazing things and graduate in some pretty amazing ways. Is that right? That's true. Um, my, last, my last year coaching at the, my last school, because I'm, I'm at a new school right now where I developed the same program, but my last school, I coached the Lady Tigers for six years. 
in the beginning, the Lady Tigers were for girls who are quote unquote the baddest girls in the school, you know, the lowest, um, the lowest grade average. When I when I left the school six years later, my captain and coach captain of the Lady Tigers were both salutatorian and valedictorian of their class, the highest and the highest grades in the school. That's because I made sure that not only they're playing softball, but their academics, education was priority and that they take pride in their education. And I made sure that, you know, they came to me with their report card. There were some girls that didn't have parents that could come attend their parent-teachers meetings, the parent-teachers conference. And I would come in to parent-teachers conference with my, with my daughter, of course. I called them my daughters, but I'll come with them. And the teacher was like, hey, Mr. Stassi, what's going on? I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to sit in for so-and-so. What happened? Oh, their parent can't show up because so I'm their parent for now. And I found myself doing that for years. And in the beginning, teachers were like, like confused, like, why is the coach sitting in? But sooner or later, it became known that, okay, Mr. Stotts is coming in. And they'll actually, even, even though the parent was there, they'll call me up on my, uh, on the, the loudspeaker, Mr. Stotts, we need you in class 202. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll go work down. It just became natural that I should be there all the time during the parent-teacher conference because mm -hmm. I was so invested in their education. And that makes complete sense. There's a real message here. Uh, what you have done is, uh, and, and for, I wish more people would do this. It doesn't matter what you see on the outside of an individual, an angry individual, a violent individual, on the inside, they can be reached. And your, your method of doing so not only reached one or two people, it reached the entire group. What does that say for the rest of humanity that uh, if, we, if we treat people with dignity and respect and we teach them how to treat each other with dignity and respect, we can change the most violent of individuals into the, mo the most beautiful of individuals or just so that we can all get along and give them and provide them a future. Because not only did you touch the lives of those girls, uh, Chris, those girls are going to touch the lives of other girls. And it's just like what you did, uh, you know, when your sister passed, you touched these lives and they're going to go on to touch other lives. And so many lives are going to be changed as a result of you. Have you ever been approached uh, about someone wanting to, to do a movie about your, your experience, your life, this, this whole thing? Has that ever happened yet? Um, as you know, there was a book written about the girls. I do. Um, that was right pre, pre COVID. And the, we had um, meetings set up with people who were interested in making the book uh, a reality TV show or a TV show or a Netflix show or a movie, so on and so forth. But as soon as COVID hit, all those offers just disappeared because of, of course, COVID. Mm. And I think everything happens for a reason. Probably is not the right time right now. Right. Um, those offers have not come back to, to fruition and it's been a number of years, but I always tell everybody cause they're like, Oh, when is it going to be a movie, man? That's really messed up. I say, you know what? Everything happens for a reason. I mean, I got my girls made it to Ellen. That's enough for me. I'm done. Like mm -hmm. I feel accomplished. My girls graduated. I mean, this is a program for, with girls that were not supposed to graduate and they graduated. 
that's my accomplishment. I don't care if there's a movie or not. I accomplish, I'm accomplished things. And, you know, you know, if it becomes a movie, that's, that's awesome. These girls could even further their voice and they could show the world, Hey, listen, you know, girls like us need to be heard. Just, just don't, don't just walk, walk by and just look at us and just don't pay attention to us. You know, we're here, we're, we're suffering. We have a lot to give. We just need someone to help us. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's why I want, that's my message to pretty much everyone through my work is, you know, we all say, you know, we need to help the community. We need to help these kids, but not, not many people want to do anything. They say all these, this stuff, but I don't see them doing, actually doing something, whether it's volunteering their time or giving monetary funds. They're not really doing anything. They're just complaining. Well, I didn't want to become a complainer anymore. I wanted to be a, a doer. And I wanted to find individuals like myself to do what I do because, you know, by myself is hard, but with, with a, a team is it becomes much, much easier, but it's still hard because, you know, I, I guess this generation or this day and age, people are very selfish and they want to help you. They want to help you with your, with your own project. if and only if it helps them as well, they don't mm-hmm. want to do anything that's from their heart. And, I just hope when people listen to my story and the girl story, they, they want to do stuff from their heart and not, you know, not help people because they're going to get something out of it. Because the, the only thing I get out of it is the satisfaction is that I am helping girls and these girls are going to become better people. And they, they are going to make sure that their lives are better and the lives around them, the people around them are better too. And you have accomplished that in such a, a magnificent way. And I thank you. And I know that every one of our listeners are, are amazed by your, your story of compassion and, uh, and how you transform the lives of all these wonderful girls. And so I thank you from the bottom of my heart coming on my show and doing exactly what you've done. Uh, you are a true example of, of wonderful humanity. Uh, Chris, and uh, it's been a, a privilege to have you on my show. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for allowing me to speak. It, now, it really helps. And I, one last thing before we say goodbye is how can people uh, get a copy of your book and how can they reach out to you? Um, I know the book is late. The book, the name of the book is Lady Tigers in the Concrete Jungle, How Softball um, Saved the Lives of Girls in the South Bronx is uh, it's by Dibs Bear, that's the author. And it's um, available everywhere. Um, Barnes and Nobles, Amazon, everywhere you can find the book. Um, they could reach me via my Instagram. I'm also on Facebook. You just have to look up Coach Astacio. Um, I do have a GoFundMe for the current project I'm doing. Um, it's uh, a softball league, not just a team, but a league that um, has over 300 girls. And so we're trying to expand my vision of helping girls in this broad, this broad city-wide span. I am going to put all that in the show notes, and I encourage everybody to pick up a copy of this remarkable um, book and uh, the GoFundMe and to connect with Coach Astacio. Chris, once again, thank you for coming on the show, my friend. Thank you. It was a, pl- it was a, a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another insightful episode. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave your comments.
For more information, check out our website at www.inspireus.ca. Remember, it's not what happens to us that matters most. It's how we respond to what happens to us that does. Stay strong and resilient. 